Hello everyone, we are back after a slight hiatus to bring you a bumper crop of tabletop gaming news. I'm Ian McAllister. And I'm Jamie Adams, and this is Brainwaves episode 110, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 14th of November 2022. Noble Knights form a union, Asmodee welcomes new games, and the bell tolls for thee. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Workers at Noble Knight Games in the US have formed a union affiliated with the Communications Workers of America. This is the first retailer employee group the Communication Workers of America will be representing. Noble Knight Games United seeks to represent the employees at the Wisconsin-based games retailer. The group says as the support of over 70% of employees, and on the 1st of November this year asked management to voluntarily recognize the union. Statements from employees released alongside the announcement spoke to low pay, lack of paid sick days, low number of paid holiday days, amongst other issues. Since that announcement, the Twitter account representing the union has said that management is deleting union-supporting messages across Noble Knight's social media accounts. In response to this, the Twitter account has asked people to reach out to management to let them know they support the unionization efforts. It's unclear at this time when the union will try and push the issue with management to get themselves formally recognized. Under US labor laws, as we understand it, a company is obliged to negotiate with union reps over pay and conditions. Our suspicion at the moment is that they are trying to get voluntarily recognized, as that is a quicker process. Now, Jamie and I both think unions are a fantastic idea. It has long been the case that retail workers, and I'm a retail worker myself, especially in the States, are treated very poorly. Much thanks to Corey on our Discord for talking me through some of the sort of legal nuances here as they had a better understanding of what was going on in this situation. Anything to say on that, Jamie? I'd say best of luck uh, to all the union employees who are trying to form the union. Uh, solidarity to you, and I hope the bosses don't grind you down. Yeah, unions are a great thing. They protect workers' rights, and um, we really hope that these folks get recognized. There's been a wave of unionization efforts across America, some successful, some not. And it's a really great thing to see. Jamie Asmodee are welcoming people with open arms. Yes, the giant of the board game industry is launching a new initiative to help game publishers out with distribution needs. Called Welcome by Asmodee, publishers can pitch their games online at welcome.asmodee.com. This will allow the publishers to get licensing or distribution deals with Asmodee. They will also include translation and localization services. Adrian Rio, head of the Welcome by Asmodee initiative, said, Asmodee has built a robust organization of studios that publish some of the world's best games. With Welcome by Asmodee, we will highlight the up-and-coming successes and make it that much easier for companies to connect and operate with our global network of distributors. The initiative will be present at Nuremberg Toy Fair in 2023 and other major conventions. In other publishers looking for new game news, Ravensburger has launched a search for the next big family game. From the 15th of November, you can submit games to Ravensburger. Promising games will then be asked for prototypes. A jury will select three ideas and their creators will be asked to make game-found crowdfunding campaigns. Now, all those goals are set at €30,000 and the campaign that is fully funded with the most backers will then have a retail version published by Ravensburger, with the designer getting 10% of the net sales of the game. Now. Hmm. Now, yeah. Now, both these initiatives, I think, are pretty good. They're, you know, up-and-coming publishers. People want games to get published. That's great. New games, bring it into the industry. The Asmodee One, you know, can help establish publishers with wider distribution. The Ravensburger One, I... 
not only is it a lot of hoops to jump through, I don't want to say it's exploitation, but it does kind of have the smack of exploitation in some regards. On our Discord, uh, Bez, lovely Bez, pointed out the ability to make a game is one thing. The ability to run a successful crowdfunding campaign, that's two very different things. Yeah, very different skill sets. Very different indeed. Yeah, it's, it seems like a really strange move from Ravensburger, and I think they've come under a little bit of fire for it because, yeah, you're basically ask, you're asking people to jump through all these hoops. You're asking them to run the crowdfunding campaigns. Ravensburger aren't giving any help to run the crowdfunding campaigns. Basically, they go back to these three winners or finalists, I guess, and they have to run their crowdfunding campaigns. I'm unclear why Ravensburger are setting like a limit for the crowdfunding goal. I guess it's to give people an even chance or something. But yeah, then you have to run your crowdfunding campaign and you also have to run it as a competition. You have to be the best. And that's just a bit weird to me. The whole thing just, yeah, it's just all a bit strange. I don't like it. Well, this is why we're not marketing executives, Ian, and why we don't work for Ravensburger, because they won't return my calls. You've got to stop ringing them. And talking about ringing, now normally this kind of thing would be an update, but it's a bit of a lengthy one. So... uh, This is in the headlines once more for the infamous Golden Bell. Thanks very much to Hal Duncan on our Discord for bringing this one to our attention because we'd missed it. The first time we heard from the terrible people at Golden Bell was back in episode 53. They are a publishing and distribution house mired in scandals with numerous late kickstars, all sorts of failed projects, just a, a litany of sort of disastrous campaigns behind them. In episode 53, they were launching their own crowdfunding platform as they'd been booted off Kickstarter. Uh, We're not going to link to that in the show notes because I went to try and look at that in the last couple of days in the run-up to this cast and my security alerts went off in my browser. So I'm not going to make you go and look at it because who knows what's there. Well, they are back in the news this week because they are being taken to court by a gentleman called Alex Norris. Alex Norris is the creator of the online webcomic called Webcomic Name. On that site, he publishes a series of comics called Oh No, with some distinctive characters. You'll likely be familiar with them. I didn't realize I was until I looked at them for the cast. We'll put a link to his pages in the show notes. His filing against Golden Bell is fairly lengthy, and I've had a read through the filing, and I'll do my best to summarize it here. So back in 2017, Alex was approached by Jason Wiseman, who is a self-publisher based in Canada. They would go on to engage the services of Mark Goldner, a member of Golden Bell Entertainment and Golden Bell Studios. Two separate companies, but basically same affiliations. Webcomic Name Game was used as a placeholder for the final game name. So they were going to produce a game based on Alex's cartoons. Alex and Golden Bell Entertainment signed a collaboration agreement on August 10th, 2017. And then things got extremely messy. Golden Bell Entertainment started selling merchandise with Alex's webcomic on them without recompensing him at all. They then trademarked webcomic name and Oh No in the United States without Alex's approval or knowledge. They made false statements in doing so as they claimed that no one else had use of the mark during those two applications, and obviously Alex did because it's his intellectual property. When Alex tried to apply for his own mark in November 2018, he was denied because of the Golden Bell application. Alex is now suing Golden Bell for copyright infringement, false designation of origin, and he also wants the fraudulent registrations of trademarks cancelled. He's crowdfunding for support for his lawsuit. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Though he has paid for most of the proceedings up to this point on his own, he does need a little help to get to the finish line, and we think that's a very worthy cause. 
As we were researching this for the cast, Hal helped us out with another little bit of information. There's a list of Golden Bell issues on BoardGameGeek. It's basically a list of all the projects they've been involved with. Pretty long. Uh, there's quite a lot of detail in there. Some of those projects did eventually get to backers, but there's a lot of failed projects, lots of things just not turning up, and lots of promises made and then broken. It's a litany of disasters. And it's not necessarily the designers or publishers' faults that are getting involved with Golden Bell. It's Golden Bell themselves that are letting people down a lot. We reported several times on the game Unbroken that fell foul of Golden Bell a few times. And yeah, and but the last time we heard from them was like 53 casts ago almost. like Well, back in episode 53, so 57 casts ago now. But they are obviously still out there and doing things and uh, they need to not be doing those things anymore. So maybe Alex can get all their money. That'd be nice. So they don't exist anymore. They're basically not to be trusted. If you come across Mark Goldner or anybody associated with Golden Bell, run the other way. Now you'd think by now we'd be done with chess news, but it just keeps on giving. Hans Niemann, the US chess grandmaster at the centre of the recent cheating scandal, is now suing his rival Magnus Carlsen for at least $100 million. Carlson had accused Neiman of cheating, but up till now has not provided any real evidence of Neiman doing so in their over-the-board matches. Neiman has admitted to cheating when he was a much younger player, but has denied the most recent accusations. For a full breakdown of that, you can listen back to some of our previous podcasts. Neiman is also suing Chess.com, that put out a recent report stating that they thought Neiman had cheated more than he's admitted to in the past. He's also suing Chess Grandmaster Hikaru Nakamura for repeating the accusations while streaming. In the filing, Neiman has accused Carlson of launching a smear campaign against him. Just keeps on going, doesn't it? Just won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, never stop stopping. Any... It's, it's, it's amazing. Like, it's, I mean, chess is in the news a lot right now, and it's for this reason, not for good reasons. Maybe it wants that? I don't know. Doesn't seem like it does. And now for the rest of the news. Nine 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 Games, a Dutch games publisher and retailer, announced the death of their CEO Michael Brunisma on the third of October. From the press release on the company's site, Michael Brunisma was very passionate about Nine 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 Games. Through his company, it was his life goal to change Dutch gaming culture. By collaborating with many greats of the worldwide board game industry, he succeeded in this goal admirably. Under his passionate leadership, Nine 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 Games became a market leader in the gaming industry. Our thoughts are with his friends, family, and colleagues at this difficult time. Executive producer of Dungeons & Dragons, Ray Winninger, has left his role. Winninger took over the D&D design team in 2020 and oversaw the transition of release schedule to more campaign-setting books, such as Spelljammer, being released. Winninger was also involved in the early days of what we now know as One D&D. Now, the departure seems to be an amicable bond with Winninger thanking the D&D team and said, Shepherding D&D was an honour and a privilege, but I'm looking forward to slowing down and getting back to a list of personal design projects. Have you missed? Did a lot of good work. Sticking with D&D for a moment. A blog post on the 11th of November by Chris Perkins, the senior story designer at Wizards of the Coast, addressed the problems the company has had with racism in some of its products. We reported on the problematic content in the recent setting expansion of Spelljammer back in episode 106. 
But the controversy has prompted Winners of the Coast to change their inclusion review process, which checks for issues like this, and make sure their products are approachable and welcoming to all players. Previously, the reviews have been at the discretion of the product lead. Now, Wizards are making them mandatory at various stages of the production process. This process will involve consultants looking at the products and will also affect reprints. Chris notes that the Spelljammer reprint will have several changes beyond those already identified. Now, this is obviously a good step in the right direction, but I'm nothing if not cynical. And all I'm going to say is I'm just going to wait until it happens again. I'd like, to, I'd like to hope it doesn't. I really hope it doesn't. And yet. Yeah, it does seem weird to me that this is like they're putting this in now as a mandatory thing because they had problems with Curse of Strad, was it as well? I think we reported Curse on. Curse of Strad, with, the uh, Vistani, Vistani people who are in it. Yeah, with see, some rather nasty stereotypes about Romani people. Yeah, absolutely. And they had that problem then and they said they'd fix things, but it, there's a sort of revelation here that that stuff was only kind of like at the lead's bequest rather than a mandatory thing that Wizards put in all their product. And now they're putting in. That's great. Like Jamie says, that's fantastic. But shouldn't you have done it back when Curse of Strad happened, really? Yeah, just... If we're taking Curse of Strad and Spelljammer as just two examples, which are coincidentally two examples of previous campaign settings that have been brought into the 5th edition fold. Yeah. Is it possible that people are aware, or should be aware, that these are from... 40-odd years ago, and therefore there may be some things, so maybe an extra level of care. Now, whether that remains to be seen with uh, Dragonlance that is coming out very soon, whether or not that remains to be seen, uh, remains to be seen. I don't word so good. My brain is pudding. Do you think there's anything problematic in Dragonlance that they should be aware of, Jamie? I know nothing about Dragonlance apart from Kender, and they're just... No. Okay. The, the, the worst, the worst excess, the worst kind of stereotypes of thieving halfling style. Ah, uh, okay, right. But not because it. But they think it's cute. Ah. Now again, well, that might be that might be older material. They may have changed it recently, but unfortunately, that is the one that sticks in the mind. Well, hopefully, this is actually them doing something about it, and we'll see if that affects future products. We shall see. The creator of the board game Starving Artists is suing Oxi Media, alleging unpaid royalties, failure to provide royalty reports, and other breaches of contract. The dispute arises from a 2020 agreement that made Oxi Media the publisher of Starving Artists and handled fulfilment of the second printing Kickstarter. This was funded in 2019 and is yet to be completed. Oxi Media is being sued for royalties, compensation, and the remaining stock of the first printing that they hold. At this time, Oxide Media has declined requests for comment from ICB2 where we got this story. Another Kickstarter going wrong news, there was an issue with a recent Kickstarter called Towering Perfection. A, desi- a designer called Connor Wake said that the game Towering Perfection by Andrew Kuplik was very similar to his game Flowering Heights. Both these gentlemen had been in the same playtest group and the controversy got so much that the Kickstarter has now been taken down for Towering Perfection. Andrew Kuplik did say that he didn't think his game was similar, and I, at this point, we don't know whether it's going to go back up. But yeah, there's a lot of weird controversies going on with Kickstarter right now and crowdfunding in general. So yeah, just be very careful out there, folks, if you're going onto it. Uh, the, also, I would like to say that Connor says that this it should not be a warning to NDA your games when you're sort of working on them really closely and keeping secrets close to your chest, you should show people your games and take them to play desk groups and that kind of thing. He's still very enthusiastic about that and would like people to continue it. It's not a warning at all. 
Jamie, some news closer to home. Yes. I think we'll file this news into the rumour section at the moment, but keep an ear out. It seems all is not well at Inside the Box, a London-based publisher of games such as Subterra and Statecraft. In a recent Facebook post in the Board Game Trading and Chat UK group, users drew attention to missed filing of Inside the Box accounts and that recent updates to the Subterra 2 campaign had not sounded promising. We don't have access to these updates as they're for backers only. Inside the Box currently has several Kickstarters unfulfilled, including Subterra 2, Aquanauts, Alba, and CryptX. Amongst the comments on the Facebook group was information that Inside the Box had previously welched on commitments to demoers at the UK Games Expo to provide copies of games as part of their compensation package. In addition, one commenter said that Peter Blenkarn, the head of Inside the Box, had fired the entire staff back in August and was now basically running a one-man show. Peter appears to have disappeared from all social media. Now there's a group on Telegram exploring possible legal action, which we will link to in the show notes. Now, I started with saying this is rumour, so I'll finish with saying this is all rumour, speculation and hearsay right now. But there are a lot of missed Kickstarter problems, there are a lot of missed updates, and ITB are not responding to comment or really having any kind of social media presence. You can still order some of their games on their site, that's probably not a good idea right now, because who knows exactly what's going on there. But yeah, it doesn't look good at all. ITB's always looked like a slightly odd company trying to like be a bit bigger than it was. And yeah, things might finally come to a head. Hatchet Board Games UK, a publisher and distributor just celebrating their first year in operation, has announced a partnership with Oink Games. For those not familiar, Oink produced tiny box games that have gained great acclaim over the last few years, and recently a scout nominated for a Spiel des Jahres. Popular Oink games are, they've always been tricky or expensive to find at retail, and hopefully this new deal will see them have a much more widely available release, and see more games from that area of the world come to the UK. Fabian Lossier, director of Hatchet Board Games UK, said of the collaboration, We are super excited to now agree this partnership with Toby and the team at Oink Games. We've already had incredible support both from retail this year, but also from our direct contact with the gaming community at shows like UK Games Expo, where we were so grateful to pick up three major awards. Aircon and Tabletop Gaming Live, and the demand would always be there for Oink titles if we had them, especially Deep Sea Adventure, A Fake Arse Goes to New York, and The Incredible Scout, which has this year been nominated in the prestigious Spiel des Jahres Awards. Now we will have our final on stage of the year with Flamian on the 22nd of November at 8pm UK time over on our Discord, that's a week after, just over a week after the cast goes out. We hope you can join us and ask your own questions of this rising star in the UK scene. Hatchet have been making a big name for themselves and I'm sure they've got a lot to say about um, their collaborations with Oink and other things as well. Come along with your own questions. There'll be a Q&A afterwards. Don't have a lot of jobs, opportunities and events to tell you about this time. We do know that Monty Cook Games are currently looking for a new marketing manager and an intern for spring 2023. So do go and check those jobs out. If you're in that area of the world, that is. And we'd like to give a little shout out to our lovely patrons. Uh, Thank you so much for continuing to support us, especially James Naylor and Sean Newman. We'll link to all of James and Sean's bits and pieces in the show notes. You can join them for just $1 a month to get access to an extended version of the cast and some other behind-the-scenes information. You can support us in a variety of ways on the site. If you don't want to sign up to Patreon, there's direct PayPal contributions. You can get the lovely dice from Metallic Dice Games, or there's merch from Sir Meeple as well. Lovely t-shirts for you and your family. Anyway, Jamie, I hear there's a good read on the horizon. 
Oh, it's more than a good read. We have got a lot of good stories to share for you. It's nearly time to go, but of course, it's time for some interesting. Now, picture, if you will. Norway in the year 860. The half-brothers Thorolf, Ingvi and Digur help the daughters of the Viking prince Haldor to escape. Haldor's revenge is not long in coming. He roams through the territory of the liberators, pillaging and banishing them. The brothers have no choice. With settlers who are willing to emigrate, they set out for new shores and, after an adventurous sea voyage, reach Catan, the land of the sun. But the island presents the brothers with enormous challenges. Will they stand together to offer the settlers a brighter future, or will this task divide them? That's right. Catan is getting a novel. Another one. But this one is written by Klaus Teuber, the designer of Catan. Now, That's right. I don't yeah. remember being a Viking when I was playing Catan. Well, I've only played Catan once, and I there was no Norseness in there. But maybe because it was a bit more abstract, and it's kind of get lost. You know, they're really uh, embracing the Catan culture. But I feel like I've been neglecting you, dear listeners. You deserve a little treat, which is why I have some new Monopoly news for you. But it could be, couldn't be anything. It's got to be nice, special, tight, secure Monopoly secret vault. In the mid-centre of the board, there is a plastic vault with a, co- a number combination. I say a combination. It's just guess the number. Inside is money. It could be hotels or it could be the key to one of four properties throughout the board. The properties, if you're interested in the UK version, are Euston Road, Bow Street, Coventry Street and the ever popular Mayfair. If you land on one of the stations instead of there being stations, there is you can take a chance to guess the code. Code is a random number between one and six. Okay. But of course, the tokens that you're going to be using are your classic Monopoly tokens, but they're all tricked out to look like they're going to break into the Monopoly vault. For example, the rubber duck has a little fedora on it. Oh. Or the... Yeah. And one of the others has what looks like a mining helmet, like they're going to tunnel in like it's some kind of heist film. Okay, then. That's Monopoly Secret Vault. I know exactly... You know, is what we're all looking for, isn't it? How do you make Monopoly better? Have a secret vault. Sure. Also, in case you're wondering, the numbers reset every time somebody opens the vault, so it's not always going to be, I don't know, four. Okay, then. Cool. Weird. Sure. Yep. Thanks, thanks, Monopoly. And thank you very much for listening. If you like what you listen to, then the best way to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on our Twitter account, as long as Twitter still exists by the time this cast goes out, which is looking less and less likely. Uh, you can come on our Instagram or Facebook. Uh, our website is giantbrain.co.uk and you can email us at giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And I have set up a Mastodon account. I am at the giantbrain at tabletop.social. Uh, so you can find us on there, whether we'll keep using that or not. I honestly don't know. But yeah, it looks like the end for Twitter. Anyway, thank you very much. All best. Bye-bye. Bye.